Turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. And uh, as we consider uh, women today and how we can be an encouragement to them, I, I, you need to know that there, there is a relationship. There, that uh, as you sit with your family today or the people you're sitting with and you realize you look to the right or to the left, you realize that person may not be uh, female to male. It may be different that way. It may be different in background. It may be different in age. And this is the way God intended it. As, you look, uh, as we look at Titus chapter 2, we see four categories uh, that Paul addressed as he talked to Titus. And it's older women, younger women, older men, younger men. And in relationship to one another. And I want to read to you uh, verses 3 through 5. He says this, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. I highlight this morning for us this section of older women to younger women. And I, I want to point out just a few things. First of all, when it refers to the older women, and I realize that, that some of you are in this category. You're done raising kids. And, and you're out of that phase of life. And there's a certain sense of something to all that, right? There, there, there's a transition there that may even be difficult. If you're a young mom here this morning, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? If you don't know the answer to that question as a young mom, I, I give you an assignment this afternoon. Just go home, in the quietness of your own home, as a young mom, the quietness of your own home, find a couch, you sit down on it. You sit down on that couch, and you just sit there, and you go, God, what do you think, what, what, what do you really want me to do? What do you have for me to do in this phase of life? And just sit there, until you can figure it out, okay? I think God will speak to you. I think God will speak to you. Uh, I think those little ones will eventually find you. They'll eventually wake up from their nap. They'll eventually say, Mom, I'm hungry. They'll eventually uh, read this book to me. Uh, they'll hit you with a Lego or something like that. I don't know. But it'll eventually be pressed on upon you that, that you as a young mom, you go, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. For older moms, this is not true, right? As you get done with that phase of life and, uh, you know, eventually you kick that last kid out of the house, you get them married or they graduate from college or they move away or whatever and you sit in your house, you could sit there a long time. And, and there's a sense of filling that time. You look at this passage and what does it say that older women are, are to be or not to be? They're to be reverent in behavior not slanders or slaves to much wine. I, I look at that slanders and slave to much wine. Uh, picture that. Older women being slanders and slave to much wine. What, what would that look like? Well, they're done raising kids. They're done chasing them. They got more time on their hands. What happens when you get older is that you reflect on what happened when you were younger. And you start saying, 
oh, I wish I would have done that, or I wish I would have done this, and I don't feel as fun anymore, I don't feel as exciting anymore, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, let me tell you, ladies, you're not to be filling your days with chattering about things that don't matter in sinful ways or going to the jug to find fulfillment. This is not the way to live, live that, that last portion of life. You still have a job to do, and it's very important. It's critical. It's critical to the church. It's critical uh, to our society, but it's critical to your next generation, uh, the ones that you know best, the ones that God has placed before you. As you look at this, uh, you realize that there's something specific uh, that he calls us to, uh, calls us older women to, uh, and, and it's primary, it's primary what they are to train and teach. I, I say these words, teach and train, or train and teach, those words are both in there. And when you hear those words, what do you think of? I'm going to go to some training, or I, I'm going to go see my teacher. Most of us think of a classroom, uh, we, we have this formal training where we're going to go sit and we're going to read a book and we're going to uh, hear a lecture and that's going to be our training. I want to tell you that in biblical times, that wasn't the picture. The idea of teaching and training was the idea of showing someone how to live. It was this idea that, that they would come alongside and first be the model and then uh, come alongside and point and walk them through how to do it. I want to tell you this is critical for us today that we would have more people not say here uh, I, I got a book for you to read here I got a course for you to take here you need to take this but to say let me walk you through let me show you what I know let, let me let me be a model for you and then get, give you how we got here okay and this is the picture older women to younger women what's supposed to happen this is the way the Lord wants us to do things is to hand things down uh, I know this sounds ridiculous, but he could have all made us, he, he could have made us all 47 years old. He could have made us all male. That would have been quite a, quite a world, right? 47-year-old males. Talk about pathetic world, you know. Uh, he could have made us all female. A lot of things going on there too, right? Uh, I, I, I want to tell you, he could have done it, any, but he chose, he chose male and female and generations generations this is his intention and so we look at this and we realize that older women have a job uh, and their targets are these younger women and specifically to show them how to live this morning i i, I want to say it's for everybody for everybody for each one of you here to think about how your life your life can matter in the lives of young women how you can encourage them not just to be great or do this or do that, but that they would love God, that your life would push them towards the Savior. This is what we're supposed to do. And I want to share with you some things that we can encourage them about. I want to tell you, first of all, uh, we'll, we'll get to that actually. I, have, I had 20 points this morning and I felt like that was a little rough for Mother's Day. So I, I trimmed it down to seven, okay? And we may not be able to do that that well either. But, but I want to tell you, you may be looking at me and going, Kevin, what do you know about this? What do you know about it? That's a legitimate question, okay? It's a legitimate question. Um, this is, uh, 
through me watching women over the years, watching them, young women, and how they, as a youth pastor, um, Rebecca has taught me so much about uh, young women as we've worked together and, um, in the youth ministry, and now we have teenagers of our own, and her pointing things out to me. These things are important. These things are not. And, uh, you know, we're all in this, right? We, we know young women, and so we're, we're asking the question, what do they need specifically? And so hopefully this morning will be an encouragement to us all uh, to encourage them as we see them struggle. I, I realize, I, I want to say this, that young women are bombarded. They're bombarded. Um, it, it's this idea that there's, there's pushing and pressure and voices and people yelling at them saying, you need to do this, you need to do that. This is important. No, that is important. And they're pushing on them. You've got to look like this. You've got to be a part of something like this. You've got to be involved in this. And if you're not, you're out. But you need to. And so it's this, have you ever had a tough time uh, sorting out what to do? This is the struggle. And so this morning we take uh, uh, them and say, we, we want to give you help in, in struggling through, and we want to be an encouragement to you as a church. We, we realize there's also guilt uh, when things don't get done. We realize there's also this measuring scale. Uh, it's interesting to me that at the earliest days, um, there's this comparison, girl, one to another. Oh, she's taller than I am. Her hair's straighter than mine, mine is. My hair's all frizzy. Uh, my nose is too big. My nose is too small. My feet are too big. My feet are too small. She's faster than I am. She's smarter than I am. She does better at math. She's a better artist than I am. There's all these things. And there's always this comparison one to another. That brings about pressure. And this morning, we want to be on the other side of that, pointing people to God, pointing to young ladies that they might be secure in their relationship with Christ. So we come and we want to look at seven things that we can show young women, show young women uh, as we seek to teach and train them. The first one is found in Colossians chapter 2. And we want to show them how they can see themselves as God's special girl. So help them to see themselves as God's special girl. Now I'm very careful with this and I want to... Uh, I, I want to say something here, okay? I know, I'm, I'm, I know it's a dangerous day for me. It's Mother's Day, and I'm talking about young women. This is a dangerous day for me. Uh, I ask your forgiveness in advance. Um, so so I, I wa- what do you think about the princess thing and the queen thing? How do you think that fits into being God's special girl? It, 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 you know what's tough about the princess thing? It's the tiaras. That's the tiaras, right? You, you know about the tiaras? That's the crown thing, right? What's, what's so dangerous about a crown? When you put the crown on, you kind of think, I'm the princess. And when you think I'm the princess, you're wondering where all the servants and slaves are to serve the princess, right? And there's this picture here. And I, I want you to get this this morning. In Colossians chapter 2, There's something that makes us special in the eyes of God in Colossians chapter 2. I want to read it to you, starting in verse 13. 
It says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your heart, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Ask the question, how am I made special by that passage? What about me is special about that passage? It's your redemption. It's your forgiveness. I want to tell you, uh, young ladies, you are God's special girl. You're special to him. But I want to tell you, apart from Christ, we're common. We're common, all of us. There's nothing special about us. There's a sense where we stand out in one area, but not in another. And all of us have common problems. And in this passage, it tells us this one thing, that we were dead in our sins. That, That they were a mess and we had debt to pay. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, he's made you. He's made you a special girl. And and that relationship, that relationship should be thought of every day. That's what we should show, the older should show to the younger. You're not great because of your hair. You're not great because of some skill or the way you have. There's something great. You're special because of this, that Jesus died for you and that you've received the forgiveness of sins. This is powerful. And I want, to tell, uh, I want to tell us that this is primary. This is primary. This is something that we need to pass down, especially to those younger ladies. That you might see yourself as God's special girl. We move on to number two. It's in Hebrews chapter six. It goes like this. We, sh- we should show them how to anchor their ship to the rock anchor their ship to the rock uh, when you think of uh, the reason that a ship needs an anchor why the storms the storms right uh, I, I I always think about this I'm not I'm not someone who knows about boating um, you know I had an inflatable boat when I was a kid it was supposed to be for two people but never quite fit much more than myself but uh you know, there wasn't much to it. You know, I don't know about that. When I was a youth pastor, we went over to Lake Powell, and uh, it, was, it was just one of those things where we had to go get gas, and I was actually with this other high school student that was driving the boat. He was driving the boat. It was his dad's boat, and we were driving it. And it was Emily Boyd's brother. Anyways, but uh, we're driving, and everything's fine. The Lake Powell's beautiful. We're drive, we drive over. We get the gas. We yuck it up a little bit. We're laughing, da 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 we head on back, and it was like the Gilligan story, right? You know, the storm kicks up. The, 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 the clouds are coming, and the rain is coming, and, and I'm holding the flashlight like this, and, and Justin's going like this. The water's coming over, and I'm going, man, we're going to drown, you know. I thought we were going to be stuck on the island forever. But um, we realize, we realize that a boat on the water is at risk it's tossed to and fro and so in hebrews chapter 6 
Such a great passage. So much we could talk about. We'll just graze the top of it this morning. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, it says this. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I I share this with you and I say, uh, young ladies need to know that they need to have an anchor and that anchor is on the rock and that rock is Jesus. Without it, they're tossed to and fro. And I'm not saying because they're emotional and this and that. I'm saying because this is life. We want to see, and most of you have moved up to the great city of Tehachapi. Maybe you live out in Bear Valley Springs where it's nearly paradise. Um, and um, some of them are really confused and they think it is paradise. But anyways, uh, you, you get this idea that, hey, everything's going to be perfect. Those of us who have lived here for a while know this. It's not. There's problems. We know that, that things come up. There, there's struggles in families. There's health issues. There's sins that we struggle with. There, life is filled with them. And apart from hang, having an anchor for your soul in the rock, you're going to be in trouble. In fact, in James chapter 1, it, it, it has a similar idea. We look at it in James chapter 1, verse 6. It says, but, and it's talking about trials and then us asking for God's help and giving us wisdom. And James says this, but let him uh, ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That's what it is, isn't it? Some of you could stand and give testimony right now of times in your life where you've thought, I'll just do it on my own. I'll trust in my own devices. And your life has been like that tossed to and fro, wherever the wind blows. I want to tell you, young ladies, we need to encourage them to find their anchor for their soul, that they would anchor their ship to the rock. Thirdly, uh, that young ladies, that they would find their life in serving others. Serving others. Um. This is, this is one that, you know, is super important for us to, to, to think through. What is your life about? Young ladies, they come out of their elementary years, their, their childhood years, and they ask the question, what happens next? What am I going to do? What am I going to pursue? How many of you think uh, women should go to college? Some of you didn't raise your hand. I won't point you out. Um, I didn't raise my hand. I do think women should go to college. If that's what God has for them. You know. You know be careful, right? Be careful. Uh, so, so we have some youth in our, our church. And we start bearing down on them when they become juniors in high school. And we start going, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And they start going, I don't know. What am I supposed to do? You know, they start hyperventilating. And then they're like, you're supposed to go to college. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go to college. You know. Where are you going to go? I don't know. Where should I go? You know, and, uh, and there's this thing. In, 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 
you say, well, yeah, I'm going to go to college. Well, where are you going to go to college? I'm going to go here. Why are you going to go there? Well, I'm going to do this. What are you going to do? I'm going to have this career, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And, and we, we put all this pressure, like this is the most important thing of life. Uh, you know why we put that pressure on you? It's because we didn't know what we were doing when you were your age. And we thought we had a plan, but that plan didn't work out. And the other plan didn't work out. And then we fumbled around doing this for a while. And then we had this for a while. And that didn't work out. And some of us in our 40s, that didn't work out. And so we tried something else. And find, like, That's the reality of life. How come, how come we're not talking about? How come we're not talking about? Are you learning to serve in your family? Do you want to get married? Do, do, do you want to have kids? How's that working? How are you developing those skills? No, I'm going to college. How is college going to help you with that? How's that going to fit in? Or, or is that most important and you don't have time for that other? I want to tell you that there's a generation of young people who don't think getting married is a good idea. Generation of them. And so they're saying, hey, I'm going to go have my fun and I'm going to live it up and I'm going to go get educated. I'm going to get my life perfect. And then if I have time and I really have a need for that, when my life is over, worth living, then I'll fill it with a spouse and have kids, I guess, if I need them. I want to tell you, you look back in Titus chapter 2, what is it that older women, what's that specific, the big thing that they're to teach younger women? Love their husbands, their kids. That's what it is. It's not that everyone will be married. It's not that uh, everyone will have children. You know, that this is all something, part of God's plan, that we follow God's plan. But I want to ask you this. And, and why is it, why is it that people don't want to get married? Why is it that people don't want to have kids? It's because a husband, I can't have my own way with a husband anymore. can't do my own thing. When kids come along, they ruin everything. Can I get an amen? Amen. They do. They mess up everything. They suck the life out of you. They suck the finances out of you. Anything that can be sucked out of you is gone, right? You know? And, and I want to tell you, I want to tell you that this is, you look in the scriptures and you see this all over the place. God's got generations. How does that happen? Married couple has children bring out the next generation. Some of you, uh, some of you are in the grandparent uh, phase of life. You know how that happens? You gotta have kids. And those kids have to have kids. And then you have grandkids, right? And this is how this happens. You look at this and, and what God has presented to us is a good thing, is a good thing. And so from generation to generation, we must, must teach one another and say, encourage one another. It's good to get married. It's good to have kids. Even at the sacrifice of yourself, because that's serving, that's serving. You know what's great about the family? Is we all get to serve one another. That's the great thing. Uh, why is it a struggle uh, when you're by yourself? You get to do whatever you want. And you think that that's going to be fulfilling. But it's not. God has designed us to serve, to serve Him and to serve others. 
And we look at this and we, we, we gotta, we gotta share this. We gotta encourage uh, young women that this is part of life, that they would find their life in serving others. We move on to number four. And this kind of is coupled with number three. And I just say it this way. We need to encourage young women to stay in the game, to stay in the game, to not quit, to not quit. Um, what happens when you get in a chaotic, difficult situation? The young ladies here know, right? You start feeling overwhelmed. You start making lists. You start thinking you need to get better organized and we're going to tackle this. And then something else comes piling on and it brings more. And then you finally get to that place and you say, I can't do it anymore. I quit. Quit. And what we need to encourage young women to stay in the game. You know how that works? You say, you're doing great. You're doing great. Uh, what should you do? Uh, this is for all of us who are older. All of us who are older. I'm 47, so 45 was the cutoff. I'm on the older team, okay? Uh, for those of us who are older, what, what should you, when someone comes to church, especially young moms, when they come to church and they're late, what should you think? What should you say? Glad you're here. It's good to see you. Great job. Great job. You got, what if, the, what, what if their, uh, their, their kids' clothes are, are dirty and their hair's... Un it's good to see you. It's good to see you. Awesome, awesome job. You got them here. There's this thing of perseverance. And, and, and I, I want to say this, that we should be the church that is encouraging these young moms to keep going. As you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's a amazing theological passage that talks about the resurrection and the implications of it and the victory that's won in the resurrection that uh, sin and death have been conquered and that there's there's reason now to live and live joyously and the chapter ends up in verse 58 once you look there so what should we do because of the gospel what should we do it says this therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The difficulty for young women when they get pressed is this. They ask the question, who cares? Does it even matter? Is it worth it? And I want to say, yes, it does. It may not look, it may not look like the pictures, by the way. You know, those pictures of, Families coming to church and everyone's nearly skipping up the stairs. Everyone's looking sharp. Everyone's smiling with their pearly white. You know what? The, those, first of all, those people aren't families. They're just actors or models or whatever. Those aren't real. That's not a real family, okay? They don't even know each other, okay? That's maybe why they're smiling, all right? But um, I, I want to tell you that that's been doctored up. They don't look that good. They're not always happy. Sometimes you're not happy when you come to church. Sometimes the burdens of the week come with you to church. Sometimes the morning was a little chaotic. Why are you laughing? Uh, sometimes it's hard to get it all together. I want to tell you, 
Uh, the, the, the victory, the victory is in perseverance and not quitting. It's not that everything comes out perfect. And so we as a church, as older people, as peers even, hey, you're doing great. You're doing great. Glad to see you. Keep going. You're doing fine. We should be the encouragers to one another because perseverance in the Lord is victory. Number five. Think, think, think with the Holy Spirit words as your guide. Think, think, think with the Holy Spirit words as your guide. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it talks about this idea of walking in the Spirit. It says this, But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Um, we talked earlier about the pressures on young women. Um, there, there's all kinds of them. There's all kinds of pressures. One is just the, uh, the chaos of the time. The little ones asking for this or uh, the, the schedule being this and someone calling and someone texting and some obligation that you got to go to. And it all presses in on you. And the idea of thinking, it's just hard. It's not because young women aren't smart. It's because of all the pressures in. And, and this idea that it's not just thinking, what does God want me to do? It's, well, what should I do? Or how should I do this? And what should I do this? And what does somebody else do with this? And, and the little ones are yelling and, mom, I want this. And, you know, there's all this pressure going on. You say, I can't even think. I can't even think. We need to encourage them to think with the primary, the words of God being their guide. The Spirit of God that inspired the Word of God being the, the, the things that guide us and direct us. It's so difficult be, because uh, if you don't think, you'll be pulled, you'll be pulled. You, you'll be pulled by obligations. You'll be pulled by uh, the regrets of the past. You'll be pulled by the guilt of the day. Uh, you'll be pulled by those things. And, and in the end, you'll be unhappy with everything because you just say, I didn't please anybody, not even the Lord. And so we need to encourage one another. You know what? Um, the greatest thing older people can do, and especially older women to younger women, is to just sweetly sweetly, calmly say, well, what do you think God wants you to do? What do you think God wants you to do? What do you think God wants you to do with your day? What do you think God wants you to do uh, your, your son or daughter is sick? What, how do you think he wants you to serve at church? As you think about these things, these things should guide you. That, that your relationship with the Lord, not the pressures of the day. Number six, we need to uh, show and encourage young women that they can't do everything just what God wants them to. They can't do everything just what God wants them to. As you look at this, I want to show you a passage, and it's in other passages as well. This is just one sampling. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 7. I want you to see this. Super important. When, when you hear the Apostle Paul 
is he kind of a big deal in the New Testament? Sure, right? He's an apostle, big A apostle. He wrote all those books, right? He did all those missionary journeys, right? He established the church. He was pretty important, right? Right, exactly. Okay. With that in mind, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 7. This is what Paul writes to the church at Corinth. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. Okay, do you get that? He had a desire. He had a desire. Uh, He realized he wanted a, a bigger desire, like he wanted to spend a bunch of time there. So he wanted to put it on the schedule, but he wasn't sure. He wasn't sure if that's what the Lord would permit. Uh, he, he realized that his desires and wants weren't necessarily going to play out in the way things played out in the Lord's schedule, okay? I, I want you to get that clear in your mind. This is important for all of us, but especially that we would encourage young ladies in this, in this regard. Everything that you can do is not everything that you should do. You might sit there as a, a, a young woman and you say, boy, it would be great to teach English in Bangladesh. You know, I, I, I saw this video, I met this person, and I go, man, that would be awesome. That would truly be awesome. You know what? But it would also be awesome to be a realtor. They make a lot of money. And I, I, I just think it would be fascinating. I've always been interested in that. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should go to college Maybe I should, you know, I really like to go to this college, but maybe this other college too. I'd like to do that. You know what? I really like Tehachapi, so I'd like to do all this from Tehachapi, okay? I'd like to teach English in Bangladesh and from Tehachapi. You know what? I also heard about setting up an orphanage in Nicaragua. You know, I, I, I saw this thing where there's a lot of needy people there, and that's, you know, I need to do that as well. And pretty soon you make up this list that can't be done. I want to tell you something. God doesn't want you to do all those things on your list. That there's, uh, there's something going on that God has for you, for you, a peculiar and a particular plan for you. You, you might even say it this way. You might even say it this way. Well, I, I don't seem like I can do what she can do. That's right. You can't. You're not supposed to. And the reality is she can't do what you can do either. God's given you particular gifts. He's given you a particular space and spot. This is so important. I realize it sounds so simple, but it's so important that we grasp that what somebody else is doing isn't necessarily something that I can do. And frankly, young ladies here this morning, Just because your mom could do it doesn't mean that you should do it. There's this this, this idea that just because there's something good out there that I've seen that I need to do it in my life. And I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. That God has called you to peculiar, uh, uh, a particular life that he's given you everything you need for that life. It may not be everything that you want, it may not be everything that everybody else wants for you. But he has given you everything you need for the life that he calls you to live. 
Help them see that they can't do everything just what God wants them to do. It may be uh, as simple as this. And sometimes it's less dramatic, right? Is you have the laundry, the dinner, a sick child, or repaint the kitchen. What am I going to do? Ask the question, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do right now? Lastly, uh, number seven, embrace weakness. Embrace weakness. That same apostle that was struggling with his schedule and he wanted to go here, but he wasn't sure if the Lord would permit it and this and that. Sometimes he was thwarted going here. That same apostle that wrote, uh, established the church. He wrote much of the New Testament. That same apostle, this is what he said. He struggled with his own weakness, a, a thorn in the flesh. And God had a message for him. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It's important for us. It's important for us to attribute it to ourselves and then to teach it to those younger than us. Chapter 12, verse 9, it says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul's response, he says this, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Young ladies here today, um, don't try, uh, don't try to cover up your weaknesses. Don't try to act like everything's okay. Uh, it doesn't. It's not helpful for you, and it's not helpful. And by the way, we don't we don't buy it anyways, right? We don't buy it, and it's not because we look at you and you, we say what a mess. We look at ourselves and we say what a mess. God was, God was not wanting us to be great. He was wanting to be great in us. And so that he would receive the glory. That, that his strength would be made perfect in our weakness. And so uh, for us to get used to and embrace the idea that I didn't cut it. That I didn't make it. That I don't know what I'm doing. You, you know what? Um, we would be shocked. We would be shocked if you did know what you were doing. When you get married and you say, oh, I got it all taken care of, you know, I, I got, I've really made the adjustment. It's been a couple of weeks and we got it all under control now. You, for you young moms, as you take that little one home and uh, we don't expect that, he, you know, you wouldn't be crying and they would be crying and everyone would be crying and your dog's probably crying. I don't know. Everyone's crying. Like that's part of the deal. And it's part of our weakness calling on God to his strength in us. And, and how does he, through the church, right? Through people. And, and there's this sense, if we're older, don't, if you're older here today, uh, do you remember what it was like to be 20? Some of you are saying, yeah, I do. No, you don't. Because you only remember the highlights and the really, really, really bad things that happened. You know what? There were plenty of fumblings. And there's this idea that if we portray that as older people to younger people, yeah, it all together. I could do it. You can do it. Of course, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, the greatest thing that we can do is say, you're going to make it, okay? Maybe try this. Maybe try that. I don't know. Like, well, let's do this together. God will be faithful to you. He can be trusted. 
Paul said he had this weakness, whatever this weakness was. He said that Christ said to him that he was going to be strong in his weakness. And so Paul's response was, well, then great. Let's boast about my weakness. I'm weak. So that God's power can be manifest in me. He could get the glory in my life. This morning, I've shared this with you um, in hopes that we as a church would gather around our young ladies, would gather around them, both the, the, the just starting out, just coming into a womanhood, those who are older and uh, coming to full age and then marriage and then raising kids. We want to be around them and encouraging them. We want to cheer them on. As I walk away from this this morning, I just want to tell you, I, I want to say Happy Mother's Day, but I want to say, who's going to cheer for the young women? And I want us to say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the one to cheer because they need it. Because this is what God has intended for us as a church. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. And I ask your blessing, your abundant blessing on our ladies here today. I ask that they would be encouraged today. Whatever place they are in life and whatever phase that they would embrace that. I I pray that they would have uh, encouraging thoughts about their mom how you bless them through them. Even if they haven't been all that they needed to be to say that you have provided for them and continued to bring to them. I pray for uh, those who are in the midst of the battle that they would gain courage today, that they would not quit, but that they would realize that their weakness, uh, through your strength, they can be strong. God, uh, do your work in our church. Help us to be mindful of this and that our words would be encouraging to one another. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. You are dismissed.